Welcome everybody into another episode of the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. We're live here in our bedrooms on Zoom. Um, Wildcats are back on the winning track. Um, we're going to get busy here, John, because we've got men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball is starting. Mm. They're actually playing as they're recording this, just to break the fourth wall a little bit. Um, cats are up right now, going to the bottom of the eighth. So hopefully by the time we get to some uh, bat cats that they're already the game's over so we can't jinx them and this will age horribly um but let's start with men's basketball john because obviously farmageddon was on saturday bramlage was packed for 1 p.m on espn there were a few empty seats um but for the most part pretty full um student section got some fun hawaiian shirts that i wish i could have gotten um you were on the call with cole on wildcat 91.9 um, and the, most importantly, of course, Wildcats got back in the win column, beating Iowa State 61-55. This was kind of a knock them, drag them down fight, um, a defensive battle between these two. Um, but the Cats kind of rallied in the second half, were able to hold the lead for most of the game and uh, come out on top, move to eight and six in conference play, get back on the winning track, kind of get get the momentum back before they round out these last uh, few games in conference play. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I calling the game was a was a blast, and prior to the game, uh, Cole Cole Dutchendorf, who was also on the call along alongside me, we did a little bit of some dirty stuff. I I had an iCap pass, so I was able to get a Hawaiian T shirt, and then I sent a screenshot of a ticket to to Cole so he could get a Hawaiian T shirt as well. So we we kind of did some some dirty stuff there. Hopefully nobody's listening. Uh, to that as well but uh big big win for k-state uh it was much needed i mean you you are on a two-game losing skid uh possibly playing your worst basketball of the season um marquise noel he he played a lot better especially in the second half Keontae johnson for the most part he was able to regroup i mean we've seen throughout the past few games he was getting a little bit exhausted a little bit tired it was good to see him uh really fight his way um in this one and Really, the the defense stepped up and incredibly. I mean, they allowed they limited Iowa State to fifty five points, thirty point six percent shooting, and eighteen percent um for three. It's the worst game total since Big Twelve play for Iowa State. Um, so a fantastic defensive effort, um, and just a lot of key contributors all around. Uh, for K State's win today, uh, yeah, yes, but, yesterday. Yeah yesterday as we're recording this so before they go any further let's get the plugs out of the way john just make sure you're following us on twitter at and blake 785 make sure to follow the podcast and leave a review wherever you are listening we'll be back this friday live on wildcat 91.9 at 6 p.m uh, make sure to download the wildcat 91.9 app so you're able to catch us live and open up the app brody's wival did a great job designing the app it looks really good um and you can find our show there as well um, so yeah, make sure to do that. Um, you talked about kind of this team having a lot more legs than it did before, specifically Gontia Johnson, but that's something coach Tang kind of talked about in his post-game press conference that he shortened practice, gave the guys the rest they needed. Cause it was obvious in that Oklahoma game, we didn't have legs. And I think that really paid its dividends in this game. Uh, we were able to kind of bring the energy that we needed for this type of game. Another thing kind of interesting from his post-game press conference, obviously Desi Sills, got his first start of the season uh, for this one over Cam Carter. 
Um, Coach Tank said he changed the starting lineup because he saw Ryan Gilbert's uh, from <laughs> GoPowerCat.com. His tweet about you know that maybe they should recon or you know consider looking into the starting lineup and uh, changing it. And Coach Tank saw that and he's like, well, maybe I should. So um, you know, media <laughs> actually making a tangible impact on the game. So shout out, shout out to Ryan Gilbert from GoPowerCat. Uh, for kind of inspiring coach Tang to make a change the man who sealed k-state's win before the game even started and we knew and we knew pretty much uh well especially for up a non-conference play drum Tang was going to test out the starting lineup see which which roles fit into where and uh i think it was possibly a, a, a a much better time to really get kind of change up the starting five since it hasn't been panning out throughout the past few weeks or so. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the answer is not to fully push the accelerator. It's really taking the floor off the accelerator. I think the team just really needed rest. They were, they were just completely exhausted um, throughout these past few games. And really K-State appeared, it, it just looked as if they appeared more fresh uh, more athletics uh, inspired, especially in the second half when they when they just really really uh, changed the entire script. Um, and I, on the top of that, they were playing on their home court as well, which uh, always playing in front of a home crowd, especially in the Big Twelve, when you're seeing teams like K State and Iowa State and Oklahoma State uh, play play to their standard on the home court. That is definitely something that that'll be tr tremendously impactful as well. And um, Tang Tang did show why it was always important to make these uh these type of observations. It's always and and having your legs more underneath uh un, more underneath you allows you to play better defense as well. But it can also evaluate elevate your shooting percentages and make and make your uh performances more efficient as well. So much needed rest, and they were able to come back uh on Saturday. Um, and really was able to play a lot more in uh, spirit of basketball uh, than what we've seen for up the past few uh, past few games. Yeah, I mean, we're in the home stretch of Big 12 play. There are four games left, or you're getting into late February, early March. You know, March 4th is when the um, like conference play ends, and then you get into the Big 12 tournament. So these Whoa. guys have played a lot of games, two games a week, yeah. and they're, you know, I think some a lot of teams are kind of starting to feel uh, feel the heat. Well, you got four games left, uh, for each team in the Big Twelve, and I mean, we're we're on the we're on the brink. Uh, I mean, we have conference championship right on the right on the horizon, especially for some of the smaller conferences. They only have, I believe, two more games left before their brackets come out, and we'll see how they do, how they they're able to, uh, play out their conference tournaments. But, um, uh, a another big uh, you have four remaining games left with with a probably going to be a um, not less than satisfied Baylor squad <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, then you get Oklahoma State and Stillwater. That's going to be tough. Uh, then you get Oklahoma on senior night uh, the following week, followed by a long road trip to, to West Virginia to end the year as well. So um, especially when you're kind of looking at the status of K-State, I mean, again, but those, those two losses hurt. Um and they and a loss to Iowa State. I mean, I was talking to this with Cole Dushendorf yesterday, but a but this game was really going to determine uh, who was going to be possibly in the top sixteen lines heading into March Madness. Like, who's going to get the the 
better home court advantage and whether whether or not K-State or Iowa State would end up in the likes of Des Moines or Denver, some of the closer regional uh, sites for the tournament. And getting getting the win uh, not only just assures you the better placement and not just March Madness. Well, uh, yeah, sorry. Better placement in the Big 12 and when it comes to the standings in the conference tournament. Uh, but on top of that, uh, an opportunity to play close to uh, close to home as well, where you can get a few fans for March Madness. Yeah, this is an important game for a lot of reasons. Obviously, coming off two kind of bad losses, and then you've got a home game here. You really want to protect your home court. It's against a really good team, a good team that's kind of in a similar spot in terms of seeding. So, because we're on that brink right now, John, between the three and four seed, and if we're able to kind of get over that hump and get into a three seed, um, I think that would really help our matchups a lot. Um, so kind of getting into this game, let's talk about the first half a little bit because it was kind of a tale of two halves with this. Iowa State holds a slim lead pretty much the entire game. Um, I think our defense was a little lackluster. It feels like sometimes the effort wasn't there, but there's a really big turning point in this game, John, with about 540 left in the first half. It's tied at 17. So it's tied at 17. And then Desi Sills gets that intentional foul on kind of a like a hip block on Jazz Coons down the baseline. That's in, that he gets an intentional foul for that. And then David Gasson gets teed up for a little bit of uh, extracurricular like pushing after the fact. So then they make two free throws. They go on a 12 to two run. And then all of a sudden with a few minutes left, they're up by 10. You know, they make both free throws. They get a jumper. They go down, hit some threes. Um, we're not able to get anything going offensively. And it's like just in the blink of an eye, it seems like, you know, the air's kind of been sucked out of Bramlage Coliseum. And we go into halftime down eight. And you just kind of going in thinking like what could have been when we were so close for most of the first half. Well, it was just kind of it was just kind of the same routine we've been seeing uh uh, from K-State. I mean, but but cold shooting, K-State was 7 of 23 in the first half, um, as well as the offensive boards, but Iowa State was really able to control for the most part. They they, they won the rebounding battle in the first half, um, especially with when when you have the likes of Jaron Holmes and Oshona Shuni uh, inside looking to really protect the paint for the Cyclones. Um, uh, so it, it was, it was, Poor shooting at first. Uh, I, I mean, same thing applies for Iowa State. They were twenty of thirty, but um, it was uh, I mean, they were they were benefiting a lot off the points up uh inside, um, just to really, just really attacking a weakness uh area where where K State has just been very vulnerable uh d during conference play. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on Friday, John, in our preview of Iowa State is that K-State needed to start the second half better because it seemed like the last few games, we just started out the second half so poorly. I mean, that's how we blew our lead against Texas. That's how that Oklahoma game just got completely out of hand. And then we had pretty much no shot getting back into it for the rest of the game. But this is really where the flip switched um, mm -hmm. for this game. We go on a 14-3 to run to start the second half. You know, we take the lead within five minutes, thanks to some good three-point shooting, and we pretty much never look back from there. We pretty much hold the lead for most of the game and then Iowa state, again, they make some silly mistakes at the end, you know, on three yeah. straight possessions, you know, they foul Marquise to well in the backcourt. Um, and then they step out of bounds for a turnover. And then Taman Lipsy just turns it over to Keontae Johnson with, you know, those are all three um, possessions um, with under two minutes left in the game. You can't really be doing that, but so that's how we're able to kind of hold out for the win. But I mean, the two big stats that come to mind, John, you talked about points in the paint, 
you know, in the first half, Iowa State outscored us in points to the paint 16 to 6. But in the second half, we outscored them in the paint 12 to 8. So we're able to get a little bit more points in the paint. But I think this one is really important, John. Our assist to turnover ratio in the first half was three assists to six turnovers. So really bad. But really I mean, we bad. we we absolutely turned it around in the second half. Ten assists to five turnovers in the second half, but also ten assists on eleven made field goals. I mean, you know, early on in the season, K State was one of the best passing teams in the country in terms of assists per game, and we really got back to that in the second half. I think we were moving the ball really well. The passing was really crisp. Obviously, a lot of our our made baskets were coming from assists. And they were good looks. Some of the stuff Naquan Tomlin or Keontae Johnson were getting in the paint. Um, we were really able to kind of, you know, turn it around. I don't know if it was just, you know, some of the rest we got, if we made some adjustments on film. But I think, you know, you kind of saw the the team that we'd been wanting to see the last few games. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and I and Jasmine Halburn pointed this out really well. Um I believe K-State was 5-0 before the Iowa State game when they had more assists than turnovers, and vice versa the other way around. K-State was 2-6 of following the Texas Tech loss, and, you know, K-State came away, uh, just looking at the stats, K-State came away with 13 assists, 11 turnovers, and and on top of that, um, the turnovers for K-State, they tied for the lowest since Big 12 play starts. So it's a nice sign of improvement, a nice sign of, of maturity. Um, definitely uh, definitely take, took a lot more uh, precautionary measures heading, uh, heading, in, uh, heading into this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> heading into this game. So Yeah, Coach Tang, I mean, I think his goal is always 11 turnovers or less to be able to meet that mark after, you know, 23 turnovers against Texas Tech is really huge as well. And we were able to capitalize on Iowa state's turnovers, um, you know, 19 to seven points off turnovers in favor of the cats. So that's where a lot of our points came from, um, which was really great to see um, kind of getting into some individual stats. We talked about, we put a focus on Marquise Noel um, in our, in our episode on Friday, John, um, he did have four turnovers still a little high, but obviously as a team, not turning the ball over, at all i think you could give him a little bit of a pass for that but you know 20 points for him five assists six boards um didn't shoot it great but you got to give him props or going to the free throw line this team we shot really well from the free throw line john 82 oh, percent. Yeah, that's kind of been the one bright spot you love compared to it feels like in the bruce weber weber era we were always one of the worst shooting free throw teams in the league um and i think we're one of the best now so that definitely feels uh, really great. You know, Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson being our top two scorers is nothing new. You know, 15 yep. points for Keontae. You shot it pretty well. Um, not really much for everybody else, but this was a knockdown, drag him out kind of fight, you know, low scoring game. Um, those were the only two guys in double figures. But um, the thing that sticks out to me, John, kind of as a whole for the entire game, as a concern going forward, especially when we talk about who we're playing next in Baylor is the rebounding battle. You know, we yeah. pretty much won everything uh, statistically except rebounding. We lost the rebounding battle by nine. Um, Iowa State's uh, 18 offensive rebounds. That's, I mean, that's definitely a problem. I, did, I didn't really think we're that small, but like, <laughs> but when, you know, Ashuna Shuni and Trey King, they just, we had to fight for every single rebound. We were tipping it around like five times. Um, that's the main concern I had. 
but we, we managed to survive and come up with a win. But I mean, considering, sorry, I'll, I'll finish. I'm going on a oh, tangent. You're, I'll you're let good. you talk yeah, in a yeah, second. Yeah, my bad. But when you, <laughs> but I mean, when we make Flo Thamba, you know, look like, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. or, you know, some great forward um, and, you know, considering he's going to be there and the, you know, 2022 okay. defensive player of the year, Jonathan Chamochacha was back. Yeah. Um, that's going to present a whole load of problems and a, and a Baylor team that's obviously pissed off after blowing a 17 point lead to KU. So that's kind of, that was one thing that stood out to me in the Iowa state game was our, our poor rebounding, but still it managed to come out with a win. Well, I mean, not just a 17 point lead Baylor blue, but I mean, KU just completely lit them up in the yeah. second half of winning by double digits as well. But more on that uh, later on in the week, but um, you, you, you did want to talk about free pros and Marquise Noel um, especially in the second half when Iowa State was um, committing fouls uh, j- just about everywhere. And once they were getting into the double bonus, um, they they were literally uh, fouling the wrong guy at the free throw line. Marquise, it just looked as if he was not going to he was not going to miss a free throw. Just a lot of confidence from him uh, as well. But I, I, I also want to point this out as well. And something that but but did but I that did see me. Um, uh, a little more hopeful uh, when it comes to K-State's defense and just the block, uh, just the, the overall blocking scheme that K-State used uh, against Iowa State's offense. And it, it, it's some, it, it's not all the communication is that is verbal and some of the key moments that are fully, what's the best word, associated with? I mean, you have a trio of Ishmael Keontae Johnson, and Desi Sills who came up with um, some some of the bigger blocks, in particular Desi Sills, um, early on in the game, I was just, what was he came away with a block, went right all the way across the court and almost came away with a, with a highlight reel, um, that would have been seen on so many K State pump up videos. But uh, they were asked about, hey, I think this is during uh, the post game, but they were asked about the impact of being inserted into the starting lineups and. Uh, it w- the block was mentioned by Noel. He discussed how major it was when K State was trailing fifteen to ten, and it was an animated nodding uh, of the head from Masood and Johnson. And really, from from Sills' perspective, his energy and effort at, at the end of the floor it's something that that is greatly respected. Uh, he he won them over, um, and re- it's just a completely different change of pace. His unselfishness and intensity level. Um, he is, he is, well, I mean, he, it just looked like he couldn't do anything wrong on the defensive end uh, last night against the, against the Cyclones. Yeah, even though he didn't have a big game statistically, only four points, you, you know, watching the game, you could tell he brought a lot of energy, especially on defense. Um, you know, I think he did well in the starting role. I think he's definitely a candidate for sixth man of the year. Um, right. If he if he continues to kind of come off the bench, which I think he, I think that role fits him really well too. kind of being our second unit creator when Marquise Noel maybe needs a breather for a few minutes. Um, something that I think Cam Carter can maybe come into in the future, but maybe just not right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, he fits great in that role too. So, I mean, kind of overall it's great to get the win. Great to see coach Tang um, go into the student section and do the Wabash um, get back to that and have fun um there was a really great interaction after the game i saw uh, a lot of like players moms came down to the court and coach tang was talking to him 
Um, and Will Spradling's mom was there and uh, she, she talked to coach Tangy and he's like, I hated your son when he played here, but now I love him. You know, I thought <laughs> that was really funny. Um, I, I, I recall during uh, drum things, uh, first press conference with the media. Uh, one of the questions is like, what is your favorite moments when you play, when you play K-State? Well, well, and then he addressed, well, if I say this, then it's going to be one of my least favorite moments because I was on the other sideline, but it was, it was the Rodney Magruder buzzer in 2012 against Baylor. And he was like, oh, I hated that at first, but it, <laughs> but I got to say it looked pretty cool. Yeah. I just thought that was really funny. There was also a really sweet moment at the beginning of the game. There was this little girl who brought a Desi Sills sign and uh, coach Sutton brought her out onto the court, got a picture with coach Sutton and then Desi Sills took a picture with her so it's just really you know the the community outreach you know drum tang is such a people person he's instilled that into his guys you know yeah. always going around and high-fiving the the crowd after um you know it's really cool to a set a standard build a culture create a community around k-state basketball to make it so much more than you know putting a ball through a hoop i mean first i mean like i just said it was but it was a press comp the first press conference that's won them over just the community impact he's had not just with the fans overall, but but the student impact as well. I mean, you're just seeing him sitting on a purple couch, just having conversations with the students. Um, it just being just being open to any conversations as well, and really being being the one that 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 has the K State fan base re- returning, like coming in full numbers, uh, to Bramwich Coliseum once again. I mean, and, and this is no shot towards towards the past to, towards the past coaching staff. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we, we haven't seen like annual numbers like this in Bramwich Coliseum, like where we're seeing the students filed up all the way back to all the way back, uh, towards, towards the indoor facility. Well, we didn't have the indoor facility, but all the way back, uh, just, uh, just to come up and to the gates and realize that oh you can't come in because of student uh student sections already in full capacity it wasn't in full capacity yesterday but they still showed up uh they they were passionate and they were excited to win and and you know fans will be passionate and, ex- and excited even if they even if they lose at times and it, I think for his sake, he'd rather have Bramwich be filled uh to the brim with everybody pissed off at him uh with if a loss, then it'll be completely empty and that nobody would care. Just kind of like what we've seen uh, early on in non-conference play when K-State was playing some of the mid-majors. So that that would probably be the one thing I take away from the fan base. But uh, when, when you're when you're winning, man, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have more fans coming out, bringing the support and all the noise they can in the world. It was it was real loud uh, near the final five minutes when Sandstorm erupted as well. Oh yeah. And then I believe the second time that Taman Lipsy missed his first free throw for the bricks for sticks thing that when he was shooting that second free throw, that was so, so loud. It was like, I could just like feel the sound like vibrating in my body. It was so loud for that second. And then obviously when Sandstorm hit uh, a li- like near the end of the game, that's obviously, you know, gets a, t- gets a huge reaction from the crowd. Um, so yeah, it's been great to have the Octagon of Doom back. Um, it was sad. We didn't get to do the team came out so early pregame, John, we didn't get to see the tunnel dance, which, uh, is a bit unfortunate by the time the tunnel video finished, they were bringing on the cats. They were already running out. 
but well, it think, is what it is. Well, think of it this way: they might they might just come out mad, red hot, mad after their losses, and they were just like, "All right, we're not doing it." We're, I mean, well, I hope they keep on doing the dances, but they're probably thinking, "All right, we're not dancing today. We're going to be coming in real pissed off." And Iowa State doesn't know what's going to come hitting towards them, and. I don't know, but I mean, I'd, I'd probably, I'd like if I was in a conversation with, with an unrelated K State fan, that that's how I would use it. Oh, they just came out mad. They they were, they had enough of this two game losing streak, and they wanted to beat up on beat up on those corn feeders, uh, up in Iowa. So, uh, big win for K State, man. It, 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 well, especially against Iowa State as well. Their fans are the most cocky cockiest fans. Uh, I mean, out of all the original Big Twelve fan base, fan bases, it's K State and Iowa State that's gonna. It's those fans, especially, are gonna run social media the most. <laughs> they have the bragging rights over them. It feels pretty good. You know, John, that would be a great story if you know the team just ran out because they were you know so mad about losing two in a row. But as the guy who was there, who was there filming it, they did do a tunnel dance. I don't know if they went super early or if we were just super late to getting to the video. Uh, but it was it was a pretty mid-dance anyway. So it wasn't as it was, good as um, – I think the Texas one was probably the best one I've seen so far. Well, um, let me tell, well, well, let me tell you, right, right – I mean, with this win as well, now we get to hear Cyclone Larry ran on Twitter saying, I, I, I despise having K-State being our Super Bowl as well. Uh, while we're trying to win a national <laughs> championship, this team is going to have – is going to have – this is one game – a year where they have they they have circled on the calendar while we're focused on winning national championships uh it's <laughs> uh, just one of the things i love it's yeah. like one of the annual tweets that that he'll just come out with so if we lost it would have been a, it would have been a lot a lot worse reaction because he would have came in uh what wheeling and dealing and stuff like that so yeah it would have been tough to get swept by iowa state but john you know what they really should focus on is trying to win uh 10 games in a football season uh yeah anyway I mean, yep uh <laughs> let's not yeah, let no, them live I, rent free in our head john <laughs> okay four games left john we got baylor at home this Tuesday, so this is a quick turnaround. You got Iowa State at home and then Baylor at home. We talked about how Baylor's going to be mad after their, you know, they got, at one point they were outscored. Um, what were they outscored in the second half? 55 to 26. At one point they were being yeah. outscored 43 to 18. I mean, they just were, it was a combination of Baylor just absolutely playing terrible and KU just shooting it lights out. Um, but, uh I totally forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> you got four games left in the season and then Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, West Virginia to kind of round things out. So a little bit less than, you know, Baylor, Iowa state, but obviously still tough, especially Oklahoma state, even though we'll talk about what happened with them in TCU, but it's still a very formidable team. Got to play Oklahoma again. You know, they went to OT against Texas. Yeah. Um, who's a great team. So they're still going to be a formidable opponent. We know what they did to us in Norman. So, but this game in Baylor is going to be Baylor in Bramlage is going to be a very big game um, to try and kind of get ourselves back and maybe even just Big Twelve tournament seeding, be able to get mm -hmm. a decent seed, set ourselves up for a semifinal or even a final tournament appearance. Well, I think with this one over Iowa State, it helps us uh, kind of move further away from potentially playing in the Wednesday night games, like the eight for nine, seven to ten games. Uh, based on the standings, but 
you know, it, Baylor is never going to be an easy outing, and Jerome Tang knows that more than anybody. I mean, Baylor's guards, Keontae George, Keontae George is absolutely unbelievable uh, with the way he's been playing lately. Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, they were responsible uh, for the first four, 42 points for the green and gold. Uh, they were up 45-32 at the break, and uh, next thing you know, I mean, uh, I mean honestly, you can't even you you can't even count out Bill Self uh, at, at adjusting to halftime halftime deficits. And um, yeah, I mean, he was telling Harris and McCuller to fight through ball screens and all that, and they were just able to really pick up the pace. And for whatever reason, they just keep on keep on not. Now, for whatever reason, the visiting teams just keep on blowing games in a stupid arena, and it just I don't understand. But uh, I mean, just kind of looking at the standings now, you got Kansas and Texas at the top. Baylor's one game behind. Uh, I mean, you got K State and Iowa State tied, and with Oklahoma State losing as well, they're one. Uh, they're now one spot below K, uh, both K State and Iowa State as well. So. Um, if it's like if, if if the regular season ended today, you would get K State and Iowa State as a four and five matchup. That would just be absolutely brutal. I I'm seeing flashbacks of Tyrese Halliburton uh nailing game stealing freeze that just break my heart. But uh we still got plenty of basketball to, to be played, Blake. Uh and a lot of big matchups uh go, go, going down the stretch. Yeah, and if we were to beat Baylor, that would put us into the three seed position, which would be really important. I mean, well, at the oh, oh, at the Big Twelve three, like yeah, the Big Twelve tournament, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah, because we did win in Waco as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and for those who may have not seen it, CBS and March Madness came out with their uh, preview of the top sixteen teams. Uh, like like if the season ended today. Um, they they would have had K State as as a three seed in the tournament, despite losing the past two games. Um, let me think. But yeah, they had K State as a three seed in the West of Arizona and Kansas. <laughs> Man, that would that would be something else. Uh, that'd be something else. So, um, that so there's a lot to there's a lot to fight for for this team coming up, and they, while they may be a little bit on the outside looking in at the championship conversation they there's there's still someone in there's still someone in in the conversation yeah so i mean this stretch is going to be an important stretch of games something else to note um you know get our 20th win of the season first 21 seasons since 2018-19 um yeah. so definitely good to get back on track there um so john let's go ahead and kind of we've kind of dabbled around this a little bit but let's talk about some of these other games that went on in the big 12 uh let's start tcu oklahoma state because we've talked about how important mike miles and eddie lampkin are to this tcu team and i think this is kind of a perfect representation of that mike miles and eddie lampkin both played Eddie lampkin only got 14 minutes but tcu beats oklahoma state 175 uh, mm -hmm. mike miles in his first game back puts up 15 points um, is able to lead the Horn Frogs to a really big win over Oklahoma State and kind of hopefully for them kind of turn that corner and maybe they they're the ones trying to kind of get in to avoid playing a play-in game in the Big 12 tournament get a little bit of a better seed well the one thing that that stand out but that, that stood out to me was the points in the paint TCU had 50 50 points in the paint Oklahoma State only had 20 uh, you know, there could be a couple of things that played into it offensively for Oklahoma State. 
Um, but looking back at some of the highlights, Oklahoma State struggled at getting the ball into the low, uh, and, and, and getting into the low post. And, and TCU did a good job den- denying the likes of Caleb Boone and Cisse, uh, even touching the ball early. And uh, eventually that, that caught up to Oklahoma State because they got eventually got into foul trouble. Um, and I mean, it was just pretty much all TCU. And <laughs> I, I like we were we were talking about, um, uh, Mike Miles, uh, like he he would be coming back, but we'll see if he's going to be fully effective. Um, because we've seen from before, uh, uh, what's his name, Eddie Lampkin, he was able to come back from a K State game, but he was not effective as well. Um, well, my my statement was correctly, uh, was, uh, was was wrong, and I'm kind of glad to be wrong because I like to see players when they come back, uh, and they have a good out, great outings, and Mike Miles, he he had a great outing uh, on on his return. Yeah, so a big win for TCU. They're now 500 in Big 12 play, 7 and 7. They'll look to add a few more wins before the Big 12 tournament starts. Um, Let's go Texas OU. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Texas barely squeaks out a win against Oklahoma. This is in Austin for Texas, and it still goes to OT. They just sneak out a win, 85-83. You have to go to overtime. So, I mean, Oklahoma's starting to play some better basketball. Um, but they're just not quite able to get it done uh, against the Longhorns. And Texas is able to stay tied with KU for the lead or for first place in the Big 12. I mean, the Longhorns just keep on doing it with Rodney Terry. He's doing an incredible job uh, over in Austin. And and one of the players he's able to develop uh, late into the season is uh, Ter Javari Rice. He's, he scored a game high 24, uh, who also survived a. Uh, um, and he was just an incredibly sensational off the bench. What was it? He had eight out of 13 shots, four to six shooting from three. And he also played some stifling defense on Grant Shearfield, uh, who got hot midway through the second half. And really, I mean, this just goes back to me uh, from the Oklahoma standpoint. I mean, you you, you mentioned it yourself, Oklahoma's playing some really good basketball. I mean, I mean, if Oklahoma was able to pull it off in Austin, I mean, I would just be completely – on on the bandwagon saying okay screw it screw anything else everyone else in the bubble we have to have all 10 teams in the big 12 in the ncaa tournament because it is just absolutely insane man there is no off nights uh and down the stretch the longhorns were able to overcome a seven point deficit as well um holding oklahoma without, without a made field goal uh around the eight minute mark um, so it was a real well played game from both teams, but uh, Texas just continues to um, try and find try and vie for their way to getting the Big Twelve uh, championship and trying to uh, cure me from what would be another KU regular season title. Yeah, we definitely don't want that to happen. Um, so we've talked about the KU Baylor game enough. You know, I mean Baylor's up seventeen at one point to lose by sixteen by the end of the game. Uh, and then Texas Tech is able to beat West Virginia, um, just kind of hurting West Virginia's kind of their bubble chances um, well, for West Virginia. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think part of it, well, it, it's definitely going to hurt West Virginia, but I think Texas Tech, I think this helps out the Red Raiders tremendously. Uh, it helps out Texas Tech. They won the last five out of seven games. They beat, uh, they won some, some I mean, they they have three top 25 wins at home over Iowa State, K-State, and Texas. And next thing you know, you go on to Morgantown. I think 
I think winning out West Virginia would be a quad one win if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Texas Tech, I mean, if they're able to close out the season with a few more wins, they could be uh, on the bubble as well. But just uh, a terrible loss for West Virginia. I, I mean, I don't think this will uh, put like put them further back in the bubble conversation. But uh, they're they're kind of on the brink. Uh, yeah, they're pretty much on the brink. I'd probably say like a sixty of uh, 60% of making of making it to the tournament at this point just with how loaded the Big 12 is. I think that's going to be really how their how their argument is going to be held up. Yeah, I mean with Texas or Texas Tech's kind of, you know, last few wins here. I mean, they're at 15 and 12. West Virginia is also at 15 and 12. I mean, there's a possibility that if they rack up some wins near the end and have a decent showing, you'd be looking at nine teams in the Big 12 or in, in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, with Oklahoma being the one team being left out of the picture. Uh, it's definitely possible. Likely, I'm not really sure. Um, Texas Tech's got TCU at home, and then they got to go to Allen Fieldhouse to play KU. Um, so that's going to be really tough, obviously, for them. But they've definitely got a chance to do it in their last four games. So uh, let's wrap up by doing talking about some other K-State sports, John. Obviously, we're going we're gonna to skip this very quickly, John, because this is very embarrassing. But uh, let's yeah. talk about women's basketball. Uh, they played at TCU in Fort Worth on uh, Saturday. And um, if you don't know, TCU coming into this game was 0-13 in conference play. And uh, the Cats lost to TCU by 13, 75-62. TCU gets their first win in conference play since January 2nd, 2022, uh, when they beat Texas. So it had been over a year since they won a game in conference play, but the Cats fall to the Horned Frogs in this. It's just, it's just a, been the back and forth, John, with this season. You know, you, you'll beat Iowa State, and then you lose, and then you beat Baylor, and then this happens against TCU. Um, so... Cats are now 15 and 12. They're four and 10 in conference play. Uh, just overall a very, very confusing and frustrating loss. I mean, just looking back at the women's basketball season, first things first, you beat um, one of the top teams in the nation in Iowa. And then uh, in, in big 12 play, you beat Iowa state and Baylor. And then next thing, you know, everything just kind of slides up for K state. I mean, a, a slow first quarter start, um, they were able to capture its first lead of the evening at 33-31 at one point, but TCU would close on the third quarter with a 13-3 run. And, uh, I mean, you just you just cannot get outscored in those type of situations. And especially, I mean, just, well, I mean, I'll just point it out. You just cannot lose uh, to, T- to, to an Owen, what was it, 0-13 TCU in conference play. I mean, that that is just going to leave a complete, uh, complete rash on 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 this season, and you know, just some of the struggling wolves continue for Jeff Mitty uh, as a coach for K State against his former squad. Um, uh, as TCU currently now leaves uh, leads the series twelve uh twelve eleven as well. I mean, but overall, you just cannot take that loss if you're K State. Really dampens your your opportunity at a potential NIT uh, NIT bet as well. So, um. Yeah, the women's basketball team, they, they're just really going to have to pick up the pace here uh, down the stretch if they even want to have a chance at playing for likely the NIT at this point. Yep, and they've got to play uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. They'll be in Bramlage Coliseum this Wednesday. 
So if you can, it's at 6.30 p.m. Go and check them out there. Uh, let's talk about some baseball, John. Because yeah. I believe about, I don't know, five minutes ago as we're recording this, um, K-State beat Stephen F. Austin 14-8, to starting off the season 3-0. and Oh, baby. Uh, you love to see it. Um, they have one more game against Stephen F. Austin on Monday at 3 p.m., um, but they've been able to win seven, six, eight, four, and then 14 to eight. Um, a lot of big homers in the game on Saturday. So obviously a way better start than you had last year for the baseball team. And, you know, love to see it. You're going to continue your trip in Lamar and hopefully they can stay, get to five and oh, maybe before you head to the round rock classic. I mean, this team is start offensively. I mean, you're, you're, you're just wanting to talk about some of the scoring that they've been able to generate. Um, especially in today's game against Stephen F. Austin, you had uh, Ladice and Jones and Pelletier come away with some runs, and Don Hughes, I believe he brought, I think he had a three RBI home run, um, which I think right after that he got ejected after um, talking some, after having some beef with the Stephen F. Austin catcher, and he he got thrown out. I think also in the game there were some sprinklers happening, uh, also happening that had to delay the game a little bit, but. Nonetheless, K State's three and zero. I mean, we we haven't we haven't really said we we. I mean, we haven't had been able to say K State's two and zero since twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. I mean, that's a that's a really long stretch, and it's kind of, it's kind of embarrassing too as well. Um, but now you're three and zero. You have a chance to uh, to seal it against Stephen F. Austin tomorrow in a four game series, and really just continue your winning your winning strides early on in the. 2023 season i mean the the texas road trip would continue with lamar and then uh next thing you know you play against number one lsu and uh down in round rock so it's not so it gets a little more difficult right after that um but a great start for pete hughes and company yep and hopefully we can get better uh broadcast production when they go to lamar or they play in the round rock classic which is on something called d1 baseball so because if you haven't been watching, I've watched a little bit. Like the the game we, on today, no audio. There's no audio oh. on the game at all. I know the games previously they tried to have audio, but the audio was just too like un. Yeah, it was just so annoying. It was better to not have audio than to have audio and have it be absolutely terrible. Uh, I know sometimes their graphics wouldn't work. They sometimes were down just to like one camera. Um, so obviously stuff happens. I, I feel do feel oh. bad for them because that is stressful, but. Um, it's it's pretty annoying as for a viewing experience. Well, I mean, just from well, I mean, well, I'll point this out as well. Just kind of from a small budget school, kind of like Stephen F. Austin and some of the other schools and associated within their conference. It's it's never easy getting the best best production out there. And the same and K State was kind of in the same situation last year. Uh, was it they started their season against Bakersfield when it when it just when it was just completely terrible start to the season but um even then like even some of their graphics at Bakersfield it wasn't up to par the audio quality was better than it was at Stephen F Austin but it was it was still not, nothing too spectacular as well so um I mean you're gonna get those especially when you're going up against some of the smaller schools and I would not be surprised if we're gonna see something like that when when the cats go up against Lamar and some of the other small schools that case they will, will play on the road at uh, during the season as well. Yeah. It's just a product of stuff. It just makes you, you know, 
realize how good uh you know a production is at K State. But uh, anyway, Absolutely. just a shameless self promotion. But um, John, I think I think we've run out of stuff to cover, so I think this would be a good time to get out of here. So again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Chicken Blake seven eight five. Uh, if you liked this podcast, make sure to leave a review, uh, preferably five stars, but you know, be honest. Yep. Uh, and then make sure to follow us. So, you know, when we're posting new content and, uh, cats by 90. Cats by 90. Emma. Wait. Wait. <laughs>